Welcome back everyone to MX Asian American. Today we have Niti. Um, you want to introduce yourself first? Sure. Um, my name is Neely Shastri, and I'm the host of a podcast called Model Minority Uniquely American. Um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I work as a campaign organizer around single payer healthcare. And I also um, work on making science videos. So I do research for um, scientific videos online. Wow, cool. <laughs> so um, Neely actually uh, DM'd me and was like, um, interested in talking about today's topic with me, um, which is going to be vegetarianism. Um, so starting from the beginning, I guess, um, when did you become vegetarian and how did you kind of get into this lifestyle? Yeah, sure. So I, I guess I was kind of like born into it. Uh, my family mm. is Hindu. And so for a lot of Hindus, not all Hindus, but for a lot of them, they practice vegetarianism and some even practice like this form of veganism, particularly Jains, um, where they don't eat um, a lot of like, or well, Jains don't eat like garlic and mushrooms and certain things. And it also depends mm. on like where in India you're from, like a Jane from Gujarat might not do the same thing as a Jane from another part. So I cannot generalize when I say this, but for me, my mm. family um, practices Hinduism, Hinduism and thus vegetarianism. And that's kind of like how I got into it. Um, and my mom is like strictly vegetarian. Like she doesn't eat any eggs um, and she doesn't eat any meat or any fish or anything. Um, and then that's kind of like how I was raised. But over time I started eating chicken and eggs and sometimes turkey. So disclaimer right there, <laughs> but starting from the beginning, I was vegetarian from like a young age. Mm, wow. Um, so did you say that you were vegetarian first and then you started eating meat? Yeah. And then are you now still vegetarian? Or did you like go back to vegetarianism or how do you eat now? So I flip-flopped like so many times in my life, uh, especially depending on like where I'm at, like when I'm at home. Um, like right now I'm living at my house, right. With my mom. So my mom doesn't allow any meat in the house. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not gonna like go out of my way to bring chicken in the house and like cook it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was in college, I experienced that like not a lot of vegetarian options are available in the college dining halls. And like, I really advocated for them to have better like vegetarian and vegan options, but they like really didn't do a good job at it at all and so sometimes I found like okay it's easier to eat this chicken sandwich than it is to, like eat these like boiled vegetables with no flavor for mm. lunch and then like go about my day and so um I've flip-flopped a lot but it's not like I wouldn't say I'm a big meat eater I wouldn't say like I eat it all the time or like it's a regular part of my diet it's more so like if I'm eating out at a restaurant or if it's the only thing available then I might eat it Mm, okay. So would you say you're more like plant-based um, instead of like strictly vegetarian or vegan? Yeah. Like I think instead of having like a meat centered plate, my plate is always tends to be plant centered. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting because I started out as a omnivore. <laughs> um, I, my parents aren't religious or anything like that. Um, but it's interesting that you bring up like the specific religions and like specific dietary guidelines for each one, because one of my friends, um, she practices Buddhism or her family does. So she's vegetarian, but she also cannot eat certain root vegetables slash herbs. Um, I don't really understand like why, but she can't eat like onion or like certain mushrooms too. Um, but yeah, I just find like that really interesting um, and like haven't 
like it's the first time that I've seen that in in somebody else <laughs> um mm-hmm. but yeah I so w- when I first um became vegetarian it was gosh almost five years now a long time <laughs> it was like uh right before I went to college um but you said that like your college had like really bad vegetarian options <laughs> um for me it was actually really fortunate because my college had like pretty good um vegan and vegetarian options um but I find like the stigma that I got was like mostly from my family um because I think in East Asian culture like Chinese people uh, a lot of our, even though like a lot of us or a lot of the people in the mainland practice Buddhism and like are vegetarian I find that like people in the states or um, Chinese Americans a lot of our food tends to like have a lot of meat in it and it's hard to it feels like family tries to accommodate you if you're a vegetarian and of course there there's like guilt with that for some reason but yeah that that was what it was for me um but since like you were kind of born into it did you ever like question your mom why you guys eat that way or like have any funny stories about that (laughs) yeah um for if I would question her maybe sometimes but um like when it was like particularly difficult like you know you can't eat gummy bears or something that has like lard Uh in it uh you know like then I was just like but it's not like I'm not like eating meat right so in that sense it was kind of like there were some points where um it was frustrating, but at the same time, uh, my mom's kind of chill. So, um, actually it's funny because when my mom and dad came to the United States from India, vegetarianism and veganism, veganism wasn't even heard of vegetarianism was like, what is that? Like, why y'all doing that? Right. And so when they came here, um, my dad would have like these office outings and my mom told me this story and at the office outings, they would like go to like a steakhouse or something. And so, like they would pro- like everybody else would eat steak when my parents would be like, oh, we don't eat that. So do you have anything else? And they'd be like, oh yeah, like we have plate of vegetables. Like we have a veg- veggie platter with like ranch, right? And so my mom told me a story about how she went to one of those steakhouses with my dad and there was like a, they gave her like a vegetable platter and you know, they don't cook the vegetables. So she was like staring at it. Like these people just gave me like raw subsy. Like they just give me raw veggies that you're supposed to cook. <laughs> like what is up with this? And she'd never seen broccoli in her life. So she was like, what is oh this? My like, God. <laughs> what is this tiny, tr- I'm supposed to eat this tiny tree thing, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah uh she it's I mean America's come a long way since then you know it's it's so Mm -hmm. crazy to see that shift from when I was a kid and when I was growing Mm -hmm. up in school to like how there would be no options and then now that I'm an adult Mm -hmm. like it would be weird to not have a vegetarian option whereas before we'd have to like Mm, specifically request it on field trip forms or like do it as a dietary restriction or something right um yeah so when my dad um, came here, he started eating chicken. And so he was the one who actually taught us to eat chicken and eggs. And so I think he would cook it at home sometimes, but he tried not to because my mom was not a fan. But um, yeah, so we just, we kind of evolved when we came to America to like include that in our diet. And like, that's, I've seen that in a lot of different um, South Asians, whether they're Muslim or Hindu or whatever, like a lot of 
based off who you are and like what your preferences are and how religious you are. Some people will incorporate like pork and beef and other things into their diet, um, even though their family might not necessarily eat it. Mm, do you think that's was more out of like necessity or like out of trying to assimilate kind of? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think that that is an assimilation strategy. I think, um, well, I'll say that people who do stick it out, like my mom, for example, like it takes a lot of effort to do that. So it is easier, I guess, in a way to say like, okay, I'll start eating this type of meat um, so that I have more options when I go out and like do stuff. Um, but I think for my dad in India, um, it depends on like what kind, what your sect of religion is. And so like eating chicken in India is still pretty common. Like a lot of people eat it, especially the Muslim communities. And my family's from a big city. So um, they were like used to that. So it depends on where you're from. It depends on what your family is. But I think in my family, it's like more of a internal, like there's a lot of shame if you choose to eat meat. It's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this, right? Um, but so it could be assimilation. And then it could also just be like, you you know that um, chicken is something that you've seen other people eat as part of your culture and stuff. So then you can incorporate that more easily. Mm -hmm. I wanna go back to a little bit about what you were talking about, how America has come a long way. <laughs> um, I just wanna say, Americans don't know how to cook their vegetables. <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> um, even like the, or like the really good, I, I don't say like the vegetarian options at my school are really good, but like we just have like a lot of options. I'm, I'm sure like all the food isn't good. It's just bland. And I think this is true of a lot of college campuses though. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, but Americans cook their vegetables like they either don't cook it or they just like boil it. <laughs> Legit. And I'm just like, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I much prefer other, like I, I much prefer Asian vegetables and how we cook it. Um, mm -hmm. There is no flavor or seasoning whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. no wonder why Americans don't like their vegetables, right? <laughs> I know. Like, if you're cooking it like that, then who's going to eat that? Like, you know, Anthony Bourdain did an episode where he went to India, right? And he was like, I think he says in the episode something along the lines of, if all vegetarian food was like Indian vegetarian food, then I would easily be a vegetarian, yes. right? And it's just because, like, some people don't know how to cook vegetables like indians have mastered it over the, yes. over many millennia that they've been doing it but we got all our spices and stuff like we make mm -hmm. it a delicacy it's so great mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um but other than that um i did also notice what you were talking about like uh when we were younger in like school or whatever we had like specifically requests of vegetarian options or like even the cafeteria usually all like the entrees had meat in them except for like the cheese pizza, which is like always there. <laughs> and then um, uh, of course you have your salad. But then nowadays, I feel like if you go to like any event or like um, any place that had like a food event kind of food centered thing, people would ask you directly if you had like any dietary restrictions. Um, but now it's like included to be it's more broad now that it like includes vegetarianism, veganism, even like lactose intolerant or even like gluten-free stuff, which I think um, is like a huge step in, in American culture. And I didn't even realize that until you like mentioned it. Um, 
which is like really cool because it's only been like 10 or so years it's like only been like a decade or two that yeah. like it changed so much there was like a huge yeah, the 90s quote-unquote yeah. health boom or whatever um <laughs> with everybody like on this health food train thing um uh I was gonna ask if you faced any like stigma or difficulty with how you ate either depending on when you were vegetarian or like when you were not because mm-hmm. I know you said that sometimes you do face stigma like inside your family when you eat meat and then sometimes it's kind of weird that you have like this duality thing going on yeah. too <laughs> yeah definitely um I would say the stigma definitely like stung more as a kid like not being able to eat meat because I mean like I never had any particular preference to eat meat like I was never like smelling meat and I was like oh that smells so good like I really want to eat some of that and a lot of people would like come up to me and be like how do you not eat bacon like how do you live without bacon and I'm like listen I have never tried bacon to be able to miss bacon like how would I know what I'm missing if I've never tried it so I definitely didn't like feel a need to eat meat, but at the same time, like it was so weird that we were always like, and it wasn't just us, it was other brown kids too. Like it was all the little brown kids who couldn't eat pepperoni and it was all the little brown kids who couldn't eat whatever, you know, they put bacon on a salad and now there's a whole problem because they ordered a salad, but then it had bacon on it and people would be like, oh, just pick off the bacon. And like where, you know, how I was raised, like that's not how you're supposed to eat food. Like you can't, if the food has touched it, if the meat has touched it, or if there's still little pieces of meat in it, you could still taste that, right? And then it's also like, sometimes you miss a piece, and then you end up eating it. And you're just like, oh, like, you know, what am I supposed to do? It felt almost illegal as I was a kid. (laughs) Because like, I didn't really understand why we were vegetarian. It's just who we are. It's just how we are. And so there was a lot of like racism already for brown kids. Like, there was a lot of layers to that for little um, South Asian kids. And then on top of that, just like having to be the weird one who always has difficulties when it's time to eat, who can't eat the pepperoni pizza, like that sucked. And then also I'll say that, um, honestly, I think it wasn't until white people started caring about vegetarianism and veganism that the entire American society actually incorporated it into how we live. And that's that was really frustrating for me because even now I'll find a lot of vegetarian and vegan options, but they're like mock meat. And I don't like the taste of meat. Like I don't like the texture of meat. That's not really what I prefer. So even if there is a vegetarian option, like my mom won't eat anything like imitation meat because she's just like really grossed out by it. And she's like, I don't understand how this is not meat. You know, like even if it's not, even if the can says it's not, like it still feels and tastes like meat. And I don't really like that. So um, I think it's, that's definitely part of the whole shift is like the demand and supply, you know, when it came from white people, that's when people started caring. And I also think um, for like another problem that I faced as a kid was like, they would order one cheese pizza. Cause they'd be like, all right, we have five brown kids and they can't eat the meat, the pepperoni one. So we're going to get one cheese pizza. And then all the people who eat pepperoni would take the cheese pizza first. And then we would be at the end of the line and then we'd get there and there'd be only pepperoni. And we'd be like, listen, teacher, like there's no more pizza. And then they'd be like, oh, just pick off the pepperoni, pick off the sausage. And I'm like, I guess, but like, I'm not going to get every piece. Like it was just kind of gross to me. So there was like so much adversity growing up as a vegetarian that like, you don't even think about, but it also had like that other layer of like that racial difference between us and the people who ate meat. Wow. Oh my God. First of all, that teacher 
what, what the heck? <laughs> it wasn't also, just one. It was multiple. Also, it's five kids. One is not enough. <laughs> I just want to say, even for five mm-hmm. kids, one's not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, about, first of all, I have a few points. Um, I think when you said it was all great, um, but my first point was like having to pick off like me off of things. I had so much trouble. I still have a lot of trouble like eating vegetarian at home. Um, so like we make these like uh, scallion pancake things um, and I have no idea why, but my grandma likes to put like we have like these like tiny shrimp things. I don't know how to call them, but they're like tiny. And she likes to put those in there sometimes. And sometimes they're not in there. Sometimes they are. So like every, t- I like was lied to once. So like, cause one time I bit into one and there was a fucking shrimp head. And I was like, what did I just like, you know, they're, they're really tiny, but you can still like see the eyes of like the shrimp and stuff. And I was like, what did I just eat? oh my god and now every time I go eat that I have to like check for if it has shrimp in it and for some reason my grandma really likes to put that shrimp in like everything so I need to check for that shrimp in everything it's just crazy yeah um (laughs) but yeah it's it's hard for me to eat vegetarian at home versus like outside because I I didn't grow up eating vegetarian I think I became vegetarian when like what you said like vegetarianism was like more quote-unquote normalized in like society um and I definitely agree with what you said about the when white people made it cool it suddenly became cool and they suddenly started noticing um Asian people who also ate it specifically like South Asian cuisine and stuff like that um or else nobody like noticed it at all but I also think along with that trend like the whole vegan boom thing gentrification and inflation in vegetarian options if you go to like a quote-unquote hip place that's vegan it's like so expensive like what the heck why do I need to pay like 10 plus dollars for this bowl of like vegetables I don't understand (laughs) but um yeah I think eating like vegetarian outside is like kind of expensive now if you like don't cook at home um which is like sad that that's what white people made it like I guess along with it being like popular now it's like in demand so prices are up yeah no I feel that and I'll add to that by saying that um I totally agree I think the gentrification thing has totally happened and you see that with South Asian cuisine too like you know places that you could go to get I mean I've seen this with Latino cooking too because I'm from Chicago and like Mm. Chicago has like little um supermarkets oh my god the the craze for tacos yeah and like avocado specifically dude the craze for avocado is just crazy it's crazy and like it's hiked up prices and it's caused all this like economic ripples in Mexico and it's just it's really crazy to see the impact of that on like workers Latino workers and Mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. um and the other thing I'll say is that I think one of the biggest factors is socioeconomic status along with being vegetarian or vegan or whatever it Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. Um, because growing up I was on free lunch and my family was all on free and reduced lunch and so Mm -hmm. we would get a free lunch from the school every day but like nine times out of 10, they had like, I don't know, they had like four or five different things they would give you. And then they just like do recycle it over and again. And so um, you'd get this like brown paper sack and inside it would be like an apple 
And then some like, I don't know, lunch, like a sandwich or it would be a piece of fried chicken or something like that. Um, and then on one day they would have this really terrible, like tastes like cardboard cheese pizza. And like, that was my day <laughs> because on the other eight days, I couldn't eat whatever the heck ham and cheese sandwich they had in that bag. But like on that one day I would eat that pizza or I would just eat the fruit during lunch. Right. And so, or like drink the milk. Right. And so like, that's so sad. Like just because like a person of my background or a person like of any background that's vegetarian or vegan can't afford to bring their own lunch. Now they also can't eat the school lunch. So now they're just like starving during lunch period because like the government who funds the public school program isn't offering a vegetarian option. And, you know, I'm curious to know if they've changed that now. And if they have, like, I mean, ultimately that's good. Ultimately that helps everyone like net benefit, right? And that's the thing about vegan and vegetarianism. I have a lot of qualms about it. Like I have a lot of qualms about how we shifted as a society to embrace it. But as somebody who studied environmental science and as somebody who, you know, grew up vegetarian, like overall, I think it's not good. Overall, I think it's a net benefit to society that people care about the environment and are going vegan. People care about animals and are going vegetarian. But at the same time, I'm like, we we really got to break down like how this is happening and like who has historically been disenfranchised when it came to being vegetarian and vegan. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. Um, I, I, ne- I never thought about what you said about like having free lunch at school and not having options. Um, Cause I also have free lunch at school and also uh, my siblings also have free lunch, but I think it's depends on like what school system you're in. But for us, we had like kind of a buffet style thing. So we get to choose like our entrees. So I think there were all, there was always like, I think cheese pizza was a staple. <laughs> like it was there every day. So I guess there was one vegetarian option um, available if you had to choose. But I think all other entrees had like uh, some type of meat in it. So it was still hard if you were like vegan and couldn't have cheese. I went into vegetarianism because uh, I just didn't like the taste of meat and I wasn't eating much meat anyway. So I was like, okay, let's just go vegetarian. And my parents were like against it in the beginning because they're just like, why? They just like didn't understand why I would do that. And I would explain, I don't like the taste of meat and they'll be like, okay, but I still don't understand why. Um, And then I think it was, only like a year or so in that I really started to think about why I'm eating this way and like the environmental impacts of it um, and also the animals. I know people told me to watch this documentary. I forgot what it's called. Earthlings. Um, The Earthlings or something like that. I still haven't watched it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, I think it's over time that I finally like realized that um, I'm even more into this lifestyle um, because of uh, its climate effects and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's really good for the environmental movement and stuff. Um, But I think along with that, and this is something I already kind of mentioned, but I think the socioeconomic status portion of that ripples, even to when people are adults, right? Like, like you said, vegan restaurants and vegetarian restaurants are so expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing kind of goes for like getting good food, like good supermarkets with, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Like loaded up full of like actual healthy vegetables. Like 
that's, you're not going to find that on the South side of Chicago, right? If you do, it's going to be rare, right? And it's going to be in a gentrified area. Instead, you're going to find these places that are swamped with like fast food and like unhealthy meat, right? With a lot of fats and a lot of things that are detrimental to our health. And so, I mean, and that's true for even like fast food that's vegetarian, like French fries mm-hmm. or stuff like that. And so for a lot of like lower income people, you find them having to buy fast food or like choosing to eat meat or like, you know, just buying into that because they can't afford to be vegetarian or vegan the way that our society has constructed it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is this very like elitist white, you know, I live in Wicker Park for people familiar with (laughs) Chicago. Like it's just this hipstery thing now. And like, I don't think that's necessarily bad, but you have to acknowledge that like, it's not affordable for lower income people. And I think it's also quite sad because a lot of times people will blame lower income people, especially people of color and say like, look at how they're eating. You know, that's so bad for the environment. Like, look at you eating meat. And it's like, you're not even taking into account how these people have access to food and like Mm -hmm. what factors allow them to have access to good, healthy food that maybe you could have. Right. So it's just, it really blows my mind when people try to put that argument out there. Well, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's such a good point. Um, I want to bring up that, uh, in Asian supermarkets, produce is so much cheaper than in um, like American supermarkets. So if you want to get produce, go to Asian supermarkets. Um, Like literally apples are 99 cents a pound. And in American markets, it's like two, three dollars a pound. And I'm like, how is this even legal? Sometimes I like wonder how Asian markets get to like sell such cheap produce with it <laughs> yeah your point is like um very true like why is produce so expensive in american supermarkets like i don't understand um yeah i don't know what else to add. i just don't understand um and, and like, not your- only that mm-hmm. sorry i just want to add not only that but their produce sucks like you go to like Jewel Osco to buy, I don't know, mangoes or something. And it's like half rotten mangoes. And it's like also hella expensive. And it's like, why would I go shopping here instead of going like their avocados are all gone bad. And I'm like, I'm not buying this. Like what the heck? So. Okay. One thing I do get from American markets is bananas. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, bananas same. are okay all around. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, what was I going to say? Sorry, I had to add that. No, you're you're fine. Um, This like organic craze, um, organic stuff is even more expensive. I mean, I know sometimes that like organic stuff is better in some cases for an environment and also for your body, but like a lot of people can't even afford like regular produce. (laughs) Um, And now there's like another layer of like gentrification going on. Um, And then what you talked about before, like the food deserts, like, which like may not have um, even like a grocery store that's near them. And then the nearest one may not be like furnished well enough. So there's so much like divide, like such like stark divide between socioeconomic background and like all aspects of life, um, especially like eating. Yeah, basically, I just agree with whatever you just said. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's very difficult when also, like you've mentioned, culture um, is sort of like linked to food and then that's linked to meat. 
Because like, I think that's the case for a lot of different cultures around the world, like especially like communities in Southeast Asia that rely heavily on like seafood and stuff, right? So if you were to say to your family, you know, especially after you move to the States or like if you were born in the West and like your family's immigrant family, like if you were to say, okay, yeah, like I'm going vegetarian, right? Like I feel like part of it just gets like, you know, thrown into the whole, you don't like your culture or you're like becoming too Americanized or too Westernized. And that's why you're not eating our food the way we eat it anymore. Right. And so like, I, I luckily don't actually face the opposite. I, I face you're eating meat. So you're becoming more Westernized, but I know for a lot of people, it's the other opposite where it's like, oh, you're stopping eating meat. This is like some, you know, hipstery Western American thing. Um, and I think like the toll of that I mean, I think it comes from our common narrative again, like I keep going back to this, but like, you know, white people sort of co-opted the whole veganism movement and, you know, it has its roots in India. Like people have been vegan in India for so long, but people don't actually recognize that at all. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, like white vegans are it, like they're in. And if you're vegan in addition to that, like, great, eat this mock meat, right? But um, I've seen a lot of like, I've seen a lot of criticism of that movement from people um, who actually source all the vegetables because now that more people are becoming vegan and vegetarian, there's a higher demand for, you know, all kinds of exotic vegetables. And that is being taken out on like Latino workers on the border. And so, I mean, I hate to be that person who's like, you know, your veganism movement thing, like it's hurting people, right? I hate to like be that person to have to bring that up. But it's also like, if you're not conscious about where where you're buying your produce or who's supplying your produce and you're not using your mo- your dollars and your voice to demand better for those people, then like, what are you doing? Because clearly when white people decided to become vegan and vegetarian, that had ripple effects in the United States. The entire market shifted to accommodate that. So if those same people use their voice to advocate for people who are not getting paid well to source their vegetables, like imagine the ripple effect that would have. But like the problem is people don't recognize it. People just wanna say, oh, we're doing the right thing for the environment. So I'm gonna keep going to Whole Foods and act like that's not my problem. Like that's something else completely. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, first, I want to say you're a great podcaster because you just literally segue for me all the time. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> also, yeah, those points were really great. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to remember what I want to say. But um, first, I get so much like uh, the example you brought up, like you're becoming more Western by like be- eating vegetarian or something like that. Um, what I get in my family is like whenever I have like body issues <laughs> like I say my stomach hurts or like um something like my knees hurt or something like that they're like it's because you don't eat meat or like <laughs> I'm I'm just like <laughs> or like um I don't know my face is more oily than before it's because you don't eat meat <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> everything is because I don't eat meat <laughs> for some reason <laughs> I just can't explain to my parents enough for them to understand it's like really frustrating um but I guess it's like a little bit better ish now since like I've been vegetarian for a long time but yeah in the beginning it was so frustrating everything was because I didn't eat meat um and I was just like it's just some magical property that meat has (laughs) but to your second point about being conscious of, of like um your veganism like affecting other people poorly I think it's also 
I think it's good, yes, to be conscious about people, about your negative effects on the world, like your existence as a whole uh, and your negative effects on other people. Um, I, I was talking to a lot of my friends about this. Like I'm trying to be a more mm, conscious slash ethical consumer in general, and not just like what I eat. I think me and my friends are low income and college students. So we talk a lot about like trying to do the best that we can with like our resources. Um, because right now we're talking about like being a consumer in general. So like I try not to buy from Amazon anymore, but you know, sometimes it happens, life happens. <laughs> and then uh, try to shop more locally, but like a lot of, you know, local farmers markets are actually really expensive. Um, fast fashion industry oh my god i just i haven't bought a new piece of clothing in a long time so i try to like wear clothes as long as possible um so like i kind of approach my eating the same way um there may be negative effects on other people but you know i i just don't know how to i guess it's like on my conscious kind of but then like i'm i'm trying to think if there's a better way to approach this you know, like, how should I advocate for those farmers? Yeah, I, I totally hear you. And I think that's a completely valid point. Like, I think everybody does problematic stuff. We all buy from places we shouldn't buy. And it's part of it is like out of our control. Like part of it is the corporations who are in charge and the politicians who enable them to be in charge. So like to some extent, like, I mean, our consumerism and like our impact of buying a box of Cheez-Its that have palm oil in it, like really does not have an impact on the palm oil industry, right? So, and I think that's something that in environmental science, you know, a lot of the classes don't mention that. Like there's a big emphasis on being an environmentalist means you turn off the water when you brush your teeth, but there's no emphasis on like, oh, you know, like maybe the uh, oil companies should stop spilling stuff into the ocean, you know? And so that's a big problem. Like we need our politicians to hold our companies accountable. That's the number one thing with the environmental movement, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I guess for the point about like using voting with your dollars or advocating for better, um, I'm referring more to the people, like a very specific person, I guess, like not one person, but a very specific type of person, like the person who is very, um, privileged in our society, who has a lot of money to spend on almond milk and who has the money to like not care about social issues and who has the privilege to not care about social issues. That's who I'm referring to because politicians will listen to that person, you know, because they have the dollars, they have that influence, but those people don't care right? Like not all of them. I'm sure there's some of them who care. Like, you know, the guy who created Next Gen Climate, like who was running for president, you know, he obviously didn't get there. He didn't make it, but he was one of those people. Like he created an entire nonprofit where he just spent a bunch of his money on the climate movement, you know? And so not everybody's a billionaire, but like, I think there's just a certain population of people who are like championing the vegan and vegetarian movement, but aren't actually like advocating for better, even though they have the social um, standing to do so. Mm, yeah, that reminds me of like one of my friends who um, we were talking about like, so we were like walking on the street and my friend was like, so we passed a homeless person, my friend gave him some money and um, we, we just got to talking about like donations and giving people money and stuff like that. Sometimes I feel like guilty for not giving people on the streets money because of like, 
personal reasons. Um, and what she said was like similar to what you said, like you don't have to feel guilty for like, quote unquote, not doing your part or like not doing it well enough because there are so many other people in this world that like is even more obliged to like do their part, like who has so many more resources than you have to do whatever it is that it, this world needs, like advocating for climate change, like advocating for farmers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, that's what I um, think about too, to help like ease my guilt. <laughs> How do you think like your vegetarianism or lack thereof may affect like how you or your family slash even your friends like bond over food because literally the only social activity is like you want to get dinner or like <laughs> you want to grab drinks <laughs> isn't that like the only thing that happens <laughs> with friends <laughs> yeah definitely um I think that it definitely helps me bond with like other people who are from a similar background as me, um, especially like with cultural food, because like the food of India is so diverse and like the food of South Asia is so diverse. And so, you know, you can find similarities or recipes or things with like um, all kinds of different things, like all kinds of different foods, whether that's meat or not meat, you know? So I think it's definitely something to bond over. Like food is always a bonding mechanism. Um, I think the way that I like to approach things is to be, there's this term called flexitarian, right? Um, and it's, it's kind of like a lot of times I feel like people think you need to be pure vegan or you need to be pure vegetarian and there is no other option. So a lot of times people will like try to be vegetarian for like a month. And then they'll eat some meat and then they'll be like, oh, it's all over. Like, it's all over. I can't go back. I can't do it again. Like, I give up. Right. But like, you don't have to do that to have an environmental impact. You don't have to do that to have an impact on your health. You can choose to eat meat one day out of the seven days of the week. Right. Like, that's a thing you can do. It's up to you how you want to live your life, what you want to eat, what you want to put in your body. Right. And so sometimes, like, I'll go out with friends and we'll purposefully go to like a vegetarian place because it's just easier or it just accommodates me better. Right. Or sometimes, if I'm eating with a friend who only eats chicken, like, we'll go pick a chicken place or something like that. Right. And so the point is that you can be flexible with your diet. You don't have to be 100% vegan. If anything, that sounds a lot harder. And so I commend people who do that, like my mom, because she will like not even eat bread with eggs in it. And I'm like, mom, like how? Like, it's a very difficult lifestyle. I'll say that. Yeah, I think I would say the same because I'm pretty sure I've like, quote unquote, accidentally had meat or like meat products because it's just like exist in one of the dishes and I probably just had it on accident. Um, and at first I would feel like really guilty about it, but later I was just like, it's okay. It, it was one piece. It's fine. It, it won't like ruin my life. Um, but yeah, now if I go out with my friends, um, it's actually easier, I would say, um, because like everybody knows like I'm vegetarian now. Um, but in the beginning, it was kind of hard because we had to like um, check for the menus at every place to make sure like I had something to eat. And I had, so my, uh, I had one friend who was like a meat eater, <laughs> meat lover. Um, and it was actually kind of nice because we would order one entree and I just have the sides. I'm basically, I, I basically eat all the sides. 
um, and we would just share. So it was actually not too bad. Um, but the only problem is actually when we have like parties in our house um, and other people come over where they like a putlock or something and they bring food. Usually it's all me. Like last time we had a putlock, it was my mom's birthday. There was literally two dishes I could eat and it was like cauliflower and like some bean sprouts. I was like, okay. And my plate was just cauliflower and bean sprouts. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I think it's fine for me because I enjoy it and I don't think I'm like missing anything. Um, and I think that eating experience is still the same for me. I think it's more important when I'm like with people I love and yeah. 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 I, I agree. And I think like for me, that's so funny that you mentioned that because like checking the menus and stuff before you go places, because for me, like growing up, I mean, like my mom has always sort of been like, you shouldn't eat chicken. Like you probably shouldn't eat eggs. Right. And so like, it's always been there. Like I don't go out of my way to eat it. In fact, if there's a vegetarian option, I typically pick that as opposed to the chicken option, because that's just how I grew up. And so we've just been so like, I don't know when I say we, I mean like myself and my siblings, like it's been so ingrained in us to like, we just go to restaurants and like, we know we're going to get a side or something. Like, that's just how we've always lived. And like, so it's, I think it's really interesting that you like check the menus and stuff before you go. Because for me, like, I mean, I just go places and like, whatever's there, like, I know I'll be able to eat something at least, um, except for Portillo's. Portillo's doesn't have, they really don't have anything. Wait, I don't, French fries. you know what? I like haven't heard of any of the places you've mentioned so far. I feel like we live in totally different countries for some reason. <laughs> what is Portillo's? Is that Portillo's? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sorry. I should explain this stuff. So Portillo's is just like this fast, kind of like fast food place where it's got like hot dogs and like um, those like those beef sandwiches. I don't know what they're called. Cheese steaks? Philly cheese steaks? Yes. Yes. They have those and they have like, it's just got a lot of meat stuff. Like it's a typical like live? fast food. Is this like a regional thing? Chicago. This is a Chicago thing. Yeah. I okay. mean, it's spread okay. across the state at this point, but I mean, it's like this whole craze. Like everybody's like, oh, I love Portillo's. Like Portillo's is where it's at. And I'm like, dude, I can't eat anything at Portillo's except the fries. So oh it's my like, God. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Oh my God. I'm from Georgia. I'm in Georgia. So like oh. it's. Cause like Chick-fil-A originated in Georgia and it's, it's crazy here. And yeah, I have never been to Chick-fil-A. Me um, neither. Yeah. Not good one on you. time. Thanks. Yeah, good <laughs> on you. But I've had their waffle fries, like from a friend's like order or something, but this is not related to vegetarianism, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, everybody's so crazy about their chicken. Apparently their chicken is really good, but I don't go there for ethical reasons because they are continually supporting anti-LGBT organizations. Um, but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> about being an ethical consumer. But yeah, like I respect you for just going places and ordering sides because I'm more picky, I guess, <laughs> with what I eat. <laughs> Even though like I um, have like, kind of accepted that fate because like most menus I look up anyways I can only have sides <laughs> yeah um most menus that are reasonably priced I should say uh, but yeah sometimes I do want to splurge though when I want to go to like a vegan cafe or something like that yeah but, mm -hmm. yeah and I'll say that 
I think I know in the, I know in the interview I've said like, oh, we've had this whole shift where American society accepts, you know, vegans and vegetarians. But as you were talking, I was kind of thinking back to like when I was in college. And honestly, like, I mean, I worked for university housing. So I like a lot of my meals were like provided during like training or something by university. And like, honestly, it was so difficult for me to get vegetarian options because we'd have like a small staff of like nine people and then it would be like okay let's order a lunch for everybody using this budget that the university has and it was like all right and even then like I still felt that like residual shame that like I always feel when I have to like request a vegetarian option or be like oh this order came with meat like what do I do right like do we return it like do we call them what do we do and then it becomes this whole thing where you got to call the restaurant and whatever it is Um, or if we were picking a place to go eat out, like as a staff, I would have to like, be like, oh, I can't eat there because I can't eat anything there. Right. Like Red Robin or whatever. I don't, I don't think I've ever been there, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel like that's one of the places they suggested. And like, one of the things I find is like, some people are so aggressive about eating meat. Like it is part of their personality. Like it is part of who they are, I guess. But like, they are so aggressive about it where they'll be like, no, like we have to go to like this place. Like I need my meat, like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, bro, you can't even like accept to eat, I don't know, some chicken for once instead of like red meat just to accommodate like other people on this staff or on this team. And that was a professional environment, like where people are supposed to come together around these different issues and being diverse. Like we were hired because we're diverse, right? So it's just really great. Like that always surprises me, like how people really think meat is like this personality trait and I'm like listen that's not it like you could I don't know go like video games or like go like some movies or something like why why does it have to be around meat I don't get it yeah no I I think it's fine if meat is your personality but like when it encroaches on other people's lives or like affects other people negatively then there's a problem like boba is my personality but like I don't I don't force it on you if you're lactose intolerant you know what I mean (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I think it happens a lot of the times, like I'm in such a bubble that I feel like everybody around me is liberal and like everyone around me is like, uh, like, okay, with vegetarian, like everybody's cool. Cause like my college is like super accommodating and stuff, but like, it's not like that around the whole of America in general, like most more often than not, America is like still omnivorous and like there's meat lovers there, of course, Republicans, because Trump was elected um, a long time ago, but now he's not, huh? <laughs> and, like, it, it was honestly because of this past, like, election season that, like, I was even more, my perspective was even changed more because I didn't realize I lived with so many Trump supporters or, like, that, that were around me because, um, I tend to surround myself in like this information slash news bubble that's like just liberal stuff, you know? So I think uh, sometimes we get misconceptions that the society is shifting in one way, maybe the rest of society isn't. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, I mean, to each of their own and like people can eat whatever they want and do whatever they want. But I still think like that sort of narrative that has been placed on vegetarianism and more specifically like brown or South Asians who have dietary restrictions, whether they're like religiously having dietary restrictions or otherwise, like I feel like that's never going to go away in society. And now that veganism and vegetarianism is growing, 
now I, not only am I that, but I'm also like this weird, like, um, it's almost like classist like version of being vegetarian. So now I get like grouped into both of them and I'm like, okay, I didn't sign up for either of these. And so I don't know, like, I'm just pretty okay with like calling people out about being so like aggressive about meat. Like, I just feel like for me, I haven't gotten the benefits of either of those stereotypes, if there are any benefits, because I don't know if there are. And so it's just like really frustrating to me how those people who like are really, you know, having a meat centered plate is always going to be how it is in America. I mean, I'd like to hope that maybe in like 50 years will like change, but I, I, I'm kind of cynical about it. You know, it's always going to be like, those people are always going to have the power and I'm always going to be coming off as like the weird vegetarian one. But, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just being too cynical or pessimistic or whatever. <laughs> no, I think I totally get that. But I also hope like in the future, our plate might change, but I can also see the other argument. <laughs> um, well, anyways, um, I think we had a really good conversation and rant slash rant. <laughs> um, do you have anything you want to plug or share with the listeners of where to find you? Sure. So I also have a podcast, as you guys might have heard. So yeah, it's called Model Minority Uniquely American. Um, and it's a narrative based podcast. So I use interviews and I use music and sound effects to really like wrap things into stories. Um, and I share stats and statistics. And it's about Asians, Africans, African immigrants, Middle Eastern immigrants, and then the generations that come after them. Mm. So I haven't done an episode on veganism or vegetarianism yet, unfortunately, but I've done stuff on the model minority myth. So like, that's kind of the center of the entire podcast of like, oh, all Asians and all African immigrants and Middle Easterners are like super successful, right? And so I try to like debunk that. And I try to say like, no, some of us grew up with a lot of struggles, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I use stats to back that up. And then mm -hmm. I've done episodes on political involvement, on how we interact with other races, on um, healthcare in America, all kinds of stuff. So if you're interested in that, you can go to anchor.com slash, no, anchor.fm. See, I don't even know how to plug my own, but anchor.fm slash needy slash dash Shastri. Okay. Don't even, don't listen to me. Just go I'll to my like Facebook page. Yeah. Or like <laughs> find it somewhere else. Like I clearly don't know my own girl, but um, it's on all streaming pla platforms too. So if you look on Spotify or Apple podcasts, whatever you use, you should be able to find it. Yeah. Awesome. Listeners, please go check her out. Thank you. Need me for doing this with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. 